Good morning. Happy Mother's Day to you mothers. Thank you, Lyle, for singing those songs. <clears throat> that last song was powerful. Fill me with your spirit that I'm... How did that last line go? That I may always... They may see Christ in me, was the idea. That's a wonderful line. Today is Mother's Day, and blessings to all you mothers. Mothers, mothering, being a godly mother, it's more than being biological. It can be those that are investing in the child's life or have adopted someone or fostering someone, a child. But investing in a child's life, you're, you're being a mother to that, to that child and blessings to you if, if that is you this morning. Uh, this day is for all of you. And if you have a mother that is still living, then uh, I guess my question is, did you, you, did you wish her a happy Mother's Day this morning already? If not, the day is still, you still have opportunity. You should. God has made mothers special. Um, they very well may be the most influential people in our lives, especially as we're as children. And as we begin our journey in life, they're the ones that loved us first and cared for us in our neediness and influenced us in many ways. My desire this morning is to be true to God's Word and to, uh, to honor motherhood and in that, in that way also honor God um, most of all. After all, families was God's idea from the beginning. It wasn't something that was dreamt up centuries ago or more recently a new idea that they came that we should have families. No, it was God's, from the, from the foundation of the world, God planned that it would be a father and a mother and children. So that's what we want to honor that this morning. If you're here visiting, I see there are several visitors probably visiting their mothers. That's great. You're welcome. Worship with us. Let's pray as we consider the message this morning. Lord, we come before you. We, we thank you for mothers who so tenderly cared for us for so many years. And mothers that are doing that even now with babies on their laps. And uh, we just pray, God, this morning as the message comes into our hearts that we would be encouraged or maybe that we would see ways that we need to honor our mothers in a better way. Thank you for your word. We ask that you would, by your Holy Spirit, you would speak to us this morning in all the ways that you, only you can. We, we give you that permission, that right to, to be amongst us, to, by your Holy Spirit, uh, move us through your word. And we'll give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. There are circumstances where, where a family is different from having a father and a mother. Maybe there is only a father or, or only a mother. And God's grace is in those situations as well. I, I fully understand that. But God's, from the creation of the world, intended it to be fathers and mothers and families. 
in uh, Genesis 1, God commanded Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply, replenish the earth, and then went on to say subdue it and, and have dominion over it. But that be fruitful and multiply was the initiation of family. How does that happen? Well, he commanded the birds and the whales to do the same thing, multiply and replenish the earth. But so are we to be like the animal kingdom and just random? No, he intentionally in chapter 2 said, therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. God was giving us instruction, all humanity instruction on how to accomplish the mandate that he had given in the first chapter. His plan was that there would be a father and a mother and children. And today we are celebrating mothers. Motherhood is designed by God and should be God-honoring. It is an utmost high calling of a woman. There's no way that we can, that we can even begin to put the value of labor of mothers in a lifetime to, to put a value to that labor. They work from sun up to sundown and sometimes in the dark for their families and loving their husbands and keeping their homes. And you cannot put a value to that this morning. If you think of your mother, think of, we may not even be able to realize all the things that she did for us because we weren't even aware of it. Loving, caring, teaching, training, counseling, mending, cooking, correcting, mentoring her children. The list of daily tasks would be mind-boggling if we wrote them all down. It would be a daunting list. If you've been blessed by a godly mother, then you have a lot to be thankful for. It's shaped you. It's pointed you in a direction that otherwise you may never have gone into, but a godly mother influences us a lot. Abraham Lincoln is credited for saying several things. One was that no man is poor, no man is poor who has a godly mother. How true that is. And he also is accredited with saying, all that I am and all that I hope to be, I owe to my angel mother. I want to just pause a moment uh, before I get into the to the to the text for, the, for our message this morning and just get on a soapbox and speak to you young mothers. I know we have a lot of young mothers here today with babies and, and life is uh, busy and even chaotic at times. But don't, don't let anyone ever tell you that being a mother is somehow inferior to being, to being a working mom, to be, to be in, the, in, in, the, in the labor force. It is not. It is a lie. It is, is a trick of the enemy to tell us that somehow that is a, a lesser role that you have there. If you ever find yourself wondering, is this what it's all about? You are on the front lines, mothers, of life's battle. The children that you're raising, you're, you have the opportunity to, to shape and mold the next generation and how powerful and amazing is that. It wasn't so long ago that Brenda and I would go to Walmart and we needed two carts, one for the children and one for the groceries. But those, that's a season of time and then it's all gone. So take the opportunity you have now. Don't miss it. 
God is there to assist you in your training and in your developing of those children. They're, they're the next generation, the next generation of church, the next generation that's going to be um, making a difference in the world. Our culture, the culture around us, Hollywood, society would class the stay-at-home mom as second-rate or, or, or somehow um, not quite up to par. Don't believe it. It's not true. Your influence on your children is, is massively more important than any salary could ever pay or be given. That's my encouragement to you all this morning. Spurgeon said it this way. He said, those who think that a woman detained at her home by her little family is doing nothing, think the reverse of what is true. Mothers, the godly training of your offspring is your first and most pressing duty. It's a huge responsibility. I was reading an article by a... uh, an author by the name of Rachel Jankovich. And we, we know that, that people make a difference in, in, in the world. We know that, that um, one person can make a difference for someone else, but individuals make a difference in the world. In, 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 in God's kingdom, they make a difference. And she put it this way. She said, we, talking about women, we make babies and babies change the world. The baby that you hold in your lap today may be the next missionary. He may be the one or she may be the one that makes a difference in the world. James Foss said, The influence of a, of a mother in the lives of her children is beyond calculation. We cannot calculate it. In Titus, in Titus 2, Verse 3, it says, the age, talking about the older women first, it says, the age of women likewise, when, that, that, they behave, that they be in behavior as becoming holiness, not false accusers who are given much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women. And here's what he wants us to focus on, to be sober, to love their husbands, and to love their children. This is being, this is being a godly mother. To be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. That is not subpar. That is not somehow underachieving or an oppressive job of a Christian woman to be that kind of godly woman. It is God giving you, you mothers, clear direction on how to achieve what he wants you to do and to stand in your battle stations and, and make a difference. Make a difference for the kingdom of God by being this type of woman. This is how you do it. You do it by, by loving your husbands and loving your children, being keepers at home, guarding your homes, good, obedient. All those things make a difference. And then when your influence over your children is finished, then, and, and, the, and the other women are looking at you and saying, you're old, you're, you're old. That's when you start training the others, the younger. Your influence goes on, ladies. You can influence not only the generation that you're bringing up, but you can influence generations that are coming. 
Well, I didn't know if Mother's Day should be a time when we encourage the mothers or do we talk to the rest of us and, and how we should honor our mothers. It could probably be both. My, my text this morning is in Proverbs. If you turn in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs chapter 1. Solomon, the wisest man, he had something to say about mothers. I'm going to begin in, in verse 1. I mean, excuse me, chapter 1, verse 7. Just a couple verses here this morning as we think of mothers. The fear of God, the fear of the Lord, Proverbs 1, 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. My son, and I could, in, in generalities, we could say son or daughter. This does not exclude the daughters. My son, hear the instruction of thy father and forsake not the law of thy mother. For they shall be an ornament of grace unto thy head and chains about thy neck. So Solomon, the wisest man, he had things to say about mothers. Now making his instructions in Proverbs 1 here our theme for this morning's message. Son, hear the instruction of your father, forsake not the law of thy mother. Solomon knew the value of a godly mother. Just a couple chapters later, verse 4, chapter 4, verse 3, he, he talks about his mother. Turn there quickly. He says, For for I was my I was my father's son, tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. He and his mother, I believe, had a good relationship. Only beloved in the sight of my uh, of my mother. He was he was raised by a godly mother. He knew and we have more thoughts on that later. He knew through the wisdom of God and through um, instinctively, he knew that the life a young son lives, is, a young son or daughter lives, is directly influenced by the parents that that raise them up, and in turn, it's a two-way street. In turn, then the life that the son or daughter lives affects the parents when they're old. Some of you older people know what this is about. In, in Proverbs 10.1, he says this, a wise son maketh a glad father. Again, son or daughter maketh a glad father or mother. He goes on to say in that same verse, but a foolish son, one that didn't listen to what they were taught, a foolish son is heaviness of his mother. Proverbs 15.20, a wise son maketh a glad father. The same, same thing. But a foolish man despises his mother. So, so Solomon is taking and saying a wise son or daughter makes their parents glad. His father, and obviously if the father is glad, the mother would be glad too. But in the same token, if you all the training that, we, that is pumped into children, all the pointing in the right direction, if they reject that, and they become as a foolish son, a foolish man, it says in, in, verse, in, in chapter 15. 
then it's like he's despising his mother and it becomes a heaviness to his parents. So we, the way we live affects our parents when they're old. If you recall the story of Solomon, David at one point, I don't know that it's recorded in Scripture, it just is referenced in Scripture by, by Bathsheba, his, David's wife, Solomon's mother, that he vowed to Bathsheba that Solomon would reign after him in the throne. And as David grew old and, and uh, to the point of just basically being bedridden, his son, who was now the elder son, Adonijah, Solomon's brother, was in the process of, of, of usurping the throne while David still lived. He was getting people around. He's getting, and they were going to sacrifice and, and he was going to pronounce himself king. And Bathsheba, Solomon's mother, went into King David and pleaded the case for her son. And we read that in, in 1 Kings 1.17. If you are taking notes, you can jot that down. I have it printed out here. And she said unto him, My Lord... Thou swearest by the Lord thy God unto, unto thine handmaid, saying, Assuredly Solomon thy son shall reign after me, and he, shall, and he shall sit upon my throne. And now, behold, Adonijah reigneth. And now, my lord, the king, thou knowest it not. It was all, being, it was all happening behind the scenes, and, and David was unaware of it, didn't realize it. And she was reminding him, David, you, you said that Solomon... This was a mother concerned for her son. This was, this was, this was the, the mother that, that Solomon said was, he was tender and, and, and only beloved in the sight of his mother. This is what she was doing for him. Well, in chapter 2 of 1 Kings, David has now, David then took action immediately in chapter 1. He said, oh, this, this can't be that you're right. I did promise that. And he caused... Solomon to ride upon his mule, and they had a celebration. If you remember the story, the people that were off making Adonijah king heard the noise that was so loud, and they, they were so fearful of what was happening because David was making Solomon king. And then in chapter 2, Solomon is now king, and David has, he has passed on, he's died. And um, I wanted to make note that um, in, in chapter 1, Bathsheba, when she goes into her husband David, she bowed herself to the ground because he was king. He was king. And she bowed herself to the ground. Matter of fact, you know what? Let's, if you have your Bibles, just so you can see it in print, 1 Kings chapter 2, if you don't mind turning there. Um, the... Um, Bathsheba bowed before King David when she came with her request. And in chapter 2, now Solomon is king, and Bathsheba is going in before the king again. Now it's her son. It's not her husband. It's her son. And, and I find this interesting because speaking of mothers and how Bathsheba went before Solomon to King David she was a caring mother. Now, in, 
in 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 19, she is again entering before the king, but this time it's her son. And let's just see how her son responds to her. I just found this really interesting. Bathsheba therefore went unto King Solomon, and she's going in to bring a request for this Adonijah that had originally tried to usurp the, the throne, to speak unto him for Adonijah. And the king rose. This is how King Solomon respected and honored his mother. And the king rose up to meet her, sitting on his throne, comfortable. Might have had some servants around there fanning him. Who knows? But he got up. He rose up from his throne to meet her, and he bowed himself unto her. He bowed himself to her. And he sat down on his throne and caused a seat to, to be set for the king's mother. And she sat on his right hand. What a, what a picture of honor that the king, he didn't need to do any of that, did for his mother. He rose up to meet her. He bowed himself before her. And he set a, he set a chair beside him on his right hand, the place of honor. And he listened to his mother. He honored her. He showed her respect. This is the man that's writing in Proverbs 1. Forsake not the law of thy mother, he says in Proverbs 1. The, the uh, English Standard Version says, forsake not thy mother's teaching. He understood the value of her instruction. He knew that he was the man he was in part because of the instruction of his godly mother, the law of his mother. I think God would have us respect and honor our mothers, both mothers and fathers. But especially today, we think of mothers. Ephesians 6 says, clearly, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. It's the right thing to do. Honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee and thou mayest live long upon the earth. It is right, it is good that we honor and obey our mothers. Obey your mother, forsake not her law. Honor your mother. How do we do that? How, how do we honor our mothers? As a young person, you may question, how do you honor someone? How many, how many in here, children, are from ages 9 to, let's just say 18. 9 to 18. Raise your hand up high. 9 to 18. Okay. If I were to ask you a question, how do you honor your mother? How would you, how would you answer that? You don't need, you don't need to. I, I, I'm going to give you a couple pointers, so listen up. Three points for you how to especially honor your mother. We've, we deal with this somewhat in our family sometimes. So listen up. If your mother asks you a question, she's not trying to, to uh, be mean or, or in some way make it unhandy for you. So answer her questions respectfully with full sentences. Grunting does not count. That's how you honor your mother. If you have a task to do, a chore, number two, if you have a task to do, a chore, do it thoroughly. Do it thoroughly. 
like you're getting paid to do it and your boss is watching. That's how you do it. The scripture says, do it heartily as unto the Lord. That's how you respect your mother. And speak kindly, respectfully to your mother. Point number three. No back talk. That's how you honor your mom. That's how you honor your mothers. Back to our scripture for today. Proverbs 1, 7 through 9. I have four points that I'd like to take out of the scripture. They're very basic. And we've talked about them a little bit already. It says, my son or my daughter, hear the instruction of your father and the law, forsake not the law of thy mother. Here we see God ordaining the family. Or, or, or it's, Solomon is, is um, letting us know that God, being a, having a family is God's idea. He has a mother, he has a father, and he has children. And Solomon is, is recognizing that. He's recognizing it. God designed the family. The world would think that this, this structure is no longer necessary. Matter of fact, there was a book written, it takes, it takes a village to raise a child, by one called Hillary Rodham, Rodham Clinton. She wrote this book, and conservative people took issue with this. Matter of fact, there was a rebuttal book written, It Takes a Family to Raise a Child. Because the idea is out there that, you know what, just ship them off to wherever, some institution, and you go work, make a living, and let somebody else raise your children. That's not the way God designed it. He designed it that it would be a father and a mother, a family, a place of love and discipline where this all takes place. Family is a, is a place of encouragement, fun, training. All those things happen in the family. It all happens in the family. And that was God's idea. And Solomon is, he, he, he's, he's acknowledging this, that, it, that a son should listen to his father and to his mother. Point number two is, God's place of learning, teaching, was in that family. A father instructs his child and the child listens. The mother gives instruction, law, and the child obeys. That was God's idea. It's a joint effort. They're both instructing. They're both having input into the child's life and the child is reciprocating with obedience and listening. The family is the structure where this happens. The bulk of this learning happens. They're, they're, they learn other things elsewhere. But it's where the bulk of this should happen. All the institutions, the schools, the church, the Sunday school, Bible school, all those things, youth group, they should only validate what the parents have already taught. It shouldn't be where they're getting the bulk of their teaching in those other places. It should be at the home. That's the idea that we have here. God's place of learning was in the family. Point number three is the fear of the Lord is the basis of godly learning. We see that in verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. That's where it all stems from. And this fear isn't terror. I'm so scared. No, it's, it's a reverence. It's a reverence towards God. 
And that reverence causes us to act accordingly to that, to that fear. And that, that, that reverence that we have for God, displayed by the parents, taught to the children, is how we then give honor to all, all the other authorities in our life. And namely, our parents. We transfer that to the authorities in our life. It is the beginning of wisdom. If we allow our children to disrespect father or mother, we're setting them up for failure in respecting God because they no longer fear God. They don't fear any authority at that point. All the teaching that we give, all the, all the teachings that we give our children then should, if we narrow it down to the very narrowest point, it's the fear of God. We want to honor God with our lives. Therefore, we won't steal or we won't talk like that because that ultimately is not honoring to God. We don't act that way because it doesn't honor God. It all narrows down to the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And then there are rewards for a life lived faithfully. And maybe when you read these, these, uh, these rewards in Proverbs, it doesn't resonate with you. Um, it says there, They shall be an ornament of grace unto thy head and chain about the neck. Hmm. Well, what is he saying here? What is, what, is, what is an ornament of grace upon your head? Well, I don't know exactly but in my mind, this, what, it, what it's saying is graciousness. We, we enjoy being around people that are full of grace and they're kind and they listen. They give good advice. We like to be around those people. They understand on a heart level what we're talking about. They're never proud. The Bible says, he says, they condescend to men of low estate. That's King James language. Other versions say they associate with the lowly or they, they, they associate with humble people. Those are the people that we enjoy being around because they're gracious. And, they're, and it's saying that when we, when we do what it's saying here, we listen to our father and, we, listen and we, we hear our mother and we honor them, then that's the type of person we become, a gracious person. Jesus, it says in John one fourteen. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. He was a gracious person because of this very thing. He honored His Father. To be that kind of person where grace crowns your head, where we live, our lives are gracious. We start that by honoring our father and our mother. Obeying our mother's instructions. And chains that, these chains, it says chains about thy neck. They're not chains that, 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 that tie us down. But rather it's a sign of reflected glory. They would put chain around the king, gold chains around the king and the princes around their necks. Because it was honor. The purpose of honoring them and honoring our mothers, respecting our mothers becomes an ornament around us. People notice that. People notice that. Have you ever noticed someone that, just when you saw them, you didn't know them, you just saw them and you looked at their face and, 
and, and their, eye, their whole demeanor just spoke. There's something about them. You knew they were, they were a Christian. They, were, they probably honored their parents. And you wanted to be around that person. That was a godly person. That's the chain around their neck. It's something that you see that is just there. It's, it's powerful. It's their countenance. It's the part that we're seeing. I'm going to read uh, in, in Proverbs chapter 6. Solomon, again, says, has similar words. The rewards are a little bit different. and I, I'm just going to touch on that yet as we come to closing. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 20. My son, keep thy father's commandment. Forsake not the law of thy mother. A very similar command to, to his son. Bind them continually upon thine heart and tie them about thy neck. Now he's putting these commandments in his heart and around his neck. And then he says in verse 22, this is the reward of living this out faithfully. When thou goest, it shall lead thee. Learning respect and obedience prepares us for life. It, It gives us direction. It becomes a light to our path. It becomes common sense and wisdom in how we see life and how we process life. When thou goest, it shall lead thee. That's what obedience does, honoring. And, when the, and it, then it goes on and it says, And when thou sleepest, it shall keep thee. In the nighttime. When you lay your head down to rest, there's peace, perfect peace, a peace that passes understanding. Isaiah said, thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. And that same peace can be ours when we, we know that everything's good. We're honoring God. We're honoring our parents. When thou sleepest, it shall keep thee. And when thou wakest... It shall talk with thee. It becomes our meditation. When we, when we instruct our children in God's word, it becomes something that comes into their memory and they, they think about it during the day. It's things like Lyle was saying this morning when he was thinking about songs, he just thought about praise songs. It's those kinds of things when we teach our children honoring their parents, honoring God, teach them God's word, and they meditate on that, and it's part of their life. When they go through life, they'll think about those things, and it becomes a conversation between them and the Lord. When thou, when thou goest, it shall lead thee, and when thou sleepest, it shall keep thee, and when thou wakest, it shall talk with thee. That's what honoring our parents, especially our mothers, can do for us. I pray that this day would be a day when you can honor your mother and mothers you would feel honored. Let's kneel for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, you, you've instituted that mothers should be keepers at home, that they would raise and train their children in ways that maybe a father can't different perspectives. They care for them, they love them, they cherish them, 
And we're so grateful, Lord, that you have granted us loving and caring mothers. Help us, Lord, to honor them in, in, in a good way. And Lord, would you bless them this day in a special way? Would you honor your word as we've heard it this morning into our hearts? We just commit it to you in Jesus' name. Amen.